All right. So we are going to look at five periods of church history pertaining to the uh, Greek New Testament or the Texas Receptus or, or whatever the case may be, the traditional text. You got it? Okay. Um, and obviously this is pre-King James, okay? And uh, God did something with the King James Bible that was totally different than 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 the Greek New Testament in that sense. Not totally different, but definitely different and superior. Because when God took the the best of all the texts that he led those men to use in the King James translators and to gather them together. But before that, before that, we have the apostolic period of time that we're going to cover. Uh, and moving forward, we're going to look at from that time period, some things that took place and how God used that. But we're actually going to look in the scriptures to see the promises of God and what God had said that we were going to do that or that he was going to do. Okay, so we're going to look at that. We'll be in the scriptures here, and I'm going to try to keep this to about 45 minutes to an hour here because we'll pick it up again next week uh, or so. It's late in the afternoon here, so I don't want to keep you too late here tonight. Uh, but it is it is good history, and it's good scripture. There's a lot of good scripture in this. So it'll help us a lot here in understanding this, this subject. Uh during the apostolic period, the following important things occurred that are necessary to understand in regard to the Bible version issue. And we'll get to some of those. Number one, the New Testament was definitely written under the divine inspiration of God. And Jesus Christ received words from God the Father. I want you to turn to John chapter 17. And I want you to see what the scriptures bear witness of themselves. John chapter 17. Again, I know we're not going to get through all this because we have a lot to cover here, and that's okay. But um, we're going to look and see what, what the Bible says, uh, what the Scriptures say according to uh, what God has given us here. For I've given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. So the words, right, he gave the words, for I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them. That's how it works, friend. That's how God did it. And he promised that those words would not pass away. Remember, not one jotter and one tittle shall in no wise pass. In Matthew 24, verse number 35, he further promised that the Holy Spirit would guide the apostles into all truth and would bring things to their remembrance. And would show them things to come. Remember, we covered that. Turn to John 14. John chapter 14. Verse number 25 and 26. These are the promises. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. This is the promise. Then... Turn to John chapter 16, verse number 12 to 13. Jesus said, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. It's the promise of the Father. The Holy Spirit was given. And the things that Jesus did not say to the apostles were going to be given by inspiration of God through the Holy Ghost of God. And they were going to write those words down and give them to us. Right? That's why we have them today. Now, we understand we have them in this form of the King James Bible today. But they're God's words. They're from God. Thus, the apostles and prophets who wrote the New Testament did not have to depend on their fallible human devices. See, that's where a lot of these textual critics come in at. They, be, they believe that God was, was uh, dependent or the apostles would be dependent or you and I are dependent on fallible uh, devices of man that can fall. No, God did this. <laughs> so, so that's why it's no miracle to me that I have the perfect inspired words of God. In that sense, it is a miracle. But what I mean by that is it's not beyond the power of God to do what he did. See, we just believe that God did it. Either you believe that God did this and he used those King James translators 
to do this, right? Because God works with men. That's what he does. That he did that. Or you, or you believe God totally had his hands off of it. And you don't have the perfect words of God. There are men that believe that, by the way, that still stand up in pulpits and preach. I'm not one of them. I don't believe that line. I, don't, I believe that God used man and did this. And that's just, I don't, I don't see how, I personally can't understand you can believe anything else. But that's because the Holy Ghost reveals those things to us, doesn't he? We have that from God, praise the Lord. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And although they, it was settled in heaven, the scriptures were written during a definitive historic period. They are not the product of that period, but of the eternal plan of God. This King James Bible is God's plan. That's what you have to understand when you look at it and say, well, what about the Waldensians? Well, what about them? They had the perfect inspired word of God too. But you have it for now because God intended you to have it. That's why you have it. He made sure of it. You can't explain how five, over 5,000 manuscripts, when we go back before the King James Bible, 5,000 manuscripts could be there that the, that the churches were using at the time when everything is burned, everything is being destroyed, everything is being... But God did this. And he had them translate it. And this book has went all over the world. More so than any. It just has. This is in this time of the apostolic period what, what took place. The scriptures are forever relevant. Their message can never be outgrown. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Oh, that sounds like Aaron talking. Mute Aaron's microphone. The New Testament is inspired, it's words. Paul said that. Paul talked about the words. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, please. I just, these people that have this argument of, not, of a non-inspirated book, uh, or non-inspired book, it just cracks me up. I said inspirated. That's my dad's word. Um, but uh, get like my dad, the older I get, right? What's that? That's where I get it from. That's right. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. That's funny. Verse 9. But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. These are the words of God. Paul is talking about here, he's talking about the words. That's why the words matter. You got all these people today that don't believe that. It's just nonsense. It's terrible. The New Testament is perfect. When Timothy was instructed to keep the commandment without spot, Paul was reminding him that every detail of the New Testament is inspired and authoritative. Everything. Even what you have, you have, see, this is going to get me in trouble with some people because they don't, they get a little shaky when you start talking about this. Okay, they get a little nervous, but you can get as nervous as you want to. I'll mess with your intellect here a little bit, okay? Let me do that. The, the, the King James Bible in this form Okay, what you have now, the King James Bible, the, the scriptures in this form is better than anything you could have had 500 or 1,000 years ago. You know why? Because you couldn't read it. You couldn't follow it. I believe this book is perfect. And some of you might think you're smart enough and you could have followed all those things, but God did this. Down to the chapters, down to the verses, down to, man, you really believe, I mean... Really? Like all of it? Well, if Jesus said not one jot or one tittle, he meant every, every minute detail of this book. Don't you believe that's what he meant? That's what I believe he meant. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Rhythm 
Mm-hmm. No, they didn't. Can something perfect be better? Yeah. Yes. Because when they first had Can it be better? Well, here's the thing you have to understand. Perfect is perfect. Yeah, it is, but you have to understand the time of when God did it, though. Yes. Yeah. So perfect is mature. So that maturing is a evolution, if you will. So the, I mean, the small w word of God, it changed. It changed. It's forever settled in heaven, but it changed form. It's mm-hmm. changed form. It's it's become more mature to meet the time that we live in. That's what you have to understand. It, okay, that but God gave this to you for such a time as this. He didn't give you the Texas Receptus or, or 5,000 manuscripts for you to cipher through so you could cipher through. He gave you one complete book. Right? No. God gave you one complete book. That's why I believe it's superior. And th- by the way, though, b- hey, full disclosure, there's my, so a lot of my brothers don't believe that. I'm not talking about in this church. I mean pastors and others. A lot, and I believe there's saved men that love God. I just, they don't, they don't, they don't believe that, I don't think exactly. And that's fine. I mean, it's fine for them. It's not fine for me. But right? They have liberty of conscience, right? They're going to do what they do. But I absolutely believe that God gave this perfect for you for such a time as this. That's what you have to understand. God foresaw all this. So you can't look back and say, well, what about what they had? Praise God. They had everything God wanted them to have. Every generation has had everything that God ever wanted them to have when it came to his words. Every one of them. Every one of them. Perfectly fit for them. I believe that. I believe God did that. I believe this is, I believe this, I mean, you got to understand the printing press and everything else changed. God used all that. That changed everything. It allowed things to mature. It allowed people to, to, to go over the text, to copy the text, to do the different things. And then you come into the 1611 when you have men that God used that understood that textual issue well. They understood translation well. They understood those languages well, and God used them. And they had access to everything God wanted them to have. And this is what came from it. And there's nothing like it. There's, there's just, there's nothing like it. Other, there's nothing like this. The Geneva Bible is not like this. It's not. It's not perfect. It has errors in it. Known errors in it. And we'll get to that sometime. We're not going to, we're not going to, we're not going to go over that today. But it did. It just did. This is what God has wrought, right? This is what God did. The gospel and the... Uh, anyway, so we're going to go back a little bit here, and, and we're looking back before there, but we're, we're using, obviously, the scriptures to do it. The gospel and the apostolic epistles were recognized as the word of God from the beginning. Contemporary books on the history of the Bible commonly state that the authors of the New Testament did not know that they were writing scripture and referred to the reception of the New Testament as scripture as something that was haphazard and that took a long time. Consider the following example. This one, one person said this, when the actual work of writing began, no one who sent forth an epistle or framed a gospel had before him the definite purpose of the contributing toward the formation of what we call the Bible. Well, they didn't know anything called the Bible in one book anyway back then like that. That wasn't even there. So that part is true in that sense, but not the scriptures. They knew exactly what they were doing. I'm going to show you from the scriptures they knew what they were doing. I'll show you what Paul said about his authority right there. We'll get to that. When the actual working of the writing began, uh, he said, they say no one set that forth. They had no thought of creating a new sacred literature. This is heresy. We must understand that most books on the history of the Bible in the past 100 and more years were written by men who have been infected deeply with the skepticism that has permeated biblical scholarship since the late 19th century. Consider the following statements from the Bible itself that proved that the writers of the New Testament understood that they were writing by inspiration and that the New Testament books were recognized as the Word of God by the Apostolic Churches. Let's look at them. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 2. 
Paul says in verse number one, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. Paul knew that he was delivering ordinances to them. He knew what he was doing. He knew exactly what he was doing. Uh, let's see, 1 Corinthians 14. Let's go there. Verse number 37. Actually, look at verse number 36. What? Came the word of God out from you, or came it unto you only? If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. Sounds like he knew what he was writing there, didn't he? I don't think he was confused about that. He knew that they were the commandments of God. Galatians chapter 1, let's go there. Verse number 11 and 12. Paul said this, but I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Where'd Paul get his scriptures from? Jesus. <laughs> That's where he got them from. Where'd he get them from? He got them from Jesus. That's what he said. I believe it. By the way, you want to know why everybody, that's why everybody hates Paul. And they want to shut Paul up. Oh, Paul, we don't want to talk about Paul. Paul's a sexist. Right? He's a bigot, right? <laughs> Homophobic, sexist, mean guy. They don't like talking about Paul. Why? Because Paul has authority from Jesus. That's why. He didn't get it from Jerusalem. He didn't get it from the other apostles. He got it from Jesus. Now, the other apostles recognized that they had to. Because when you see the Spirit of God moving, you can't help but recognize it when you're saved, right? You can't, you got to recognize it. You can't just ignore it. It doesn't work that easy. Uh, let's see, Colossians chapter 1. Let's see more here. Paul knew his authority in the gospel and he knew what he was doing. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 25. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. There it is. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generation, but generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. Amen. That's it. Paul said, hey, to fulfill the word of God. Pre-authoritative, I think he understood that. Verse 28, whom we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. That's what the scriptures do. They mature us. They perfect us. The more we learn them, the more we preach them, the more we read them, the more we understand them, the more we share them and meditate upon them, they perfect us. Look, this church is evidence of that. Look around at your families. Where would you be without the Lord's church? Where would all of us be without the word of God and the preaching of God's word and the teaching and the reading and the devotion to God's word? We'd be in hell. That's where we'd be. We'd be in trouble. But we have God's words. Paul knew that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 13. Now look at this. This gets even deeper, doesn't it? For this cause, also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Amen. That's good, isn't it? Right there. What's that? Which worketh in you? Yeah, he's talking about that's what works in you. It's the Holy Ghost, with, and he uses the word of God. That's how you grow. You don't grow outside of this King James Bible. All these yahoos out there talking about revival that they're having at Asbury, and all these heathens out there running around, shaking their hands, waving their arms, and singing like they're in some kind of rave, or dancing like some kind of crazy zombies. Those people... 
They don't have this book. They don't have any revival. Revival comes from this book. That's where you get it. You ain't got it. You ain't, I don't want nothing you got. Yes. Right. Right. Not the word of God. They're rejecting it. Right. Because they reject they reject God's word. Plain and simple. Second Thessalonians chapter three, verse number six. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. So they received it from Paul, verse number 14. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. So what is he saying here? That epistle is the word of God and it's to be obeyed. And Paul knew it. Paul, Paul didn't speak like, well, maybe you guys can think about obeying this or following this. That's not how he wrote. He said, this is the word of God and you need to obey it. Right now, I can't write a sermon up on my own without scripture and write it up and say, well, this is the word of God and you have to obey it. No, but I can open my King James Bible up and I can stand before you and I could say, this is the word of God and we need to obey it. And I could do that with absolute authority when I read plain scripture to you. And I tell you, this is what God's word says. We have to obey it. Right. That's scripture. That's the authority, right? So, so my sermon isn't, isn't the same as this book, right? I could say something in a sermon that could be wrong, right? That does it, this, it, my sermons aren't infallible. God's word is infallible. You understand that, right? I'm just trying to explain that to you. That, there, that's important for you to understand. It's the word of God that's infallible right here. It's not me. I, I can fail. I can fall. I can misunderstand something, right? But the word of God, this book preached to you and read straight to you and shown straight. You, we have no reason not to obey it. We have every reason to obey it because it's the authority of, of God. You know, so we, we're bound by that uh, in that sense. Paul expected his writings to be circulated from church to church. Look at Galatians chapter 1. If you look at what he says here, he says, and all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. So he expected this letter to go out to all the churches of Galatia. There was more than one, right? And he's, he's, the, the, these letters need to go out, right? They need to go out to a number. Colossians chapter 4, I believe it is. Verse number 16. And when this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. Why? Because it's the word of God. That's why. This is, this is the word of God. 1 Thessalonians 5.27. Paul says here, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. You read this, he said. Amen. It's pretty powerful, isn't it? Paul stated that the scripture was being written by the New Testament prophets by divine revelation under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 16. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret 
since the world began, but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment, commandment of the everlasting God made known unto all nations for the obedience of faith. Man, that's a there's a lot there, isn't there, in that verse? But that's what Paul is saying here. Hey, you make sure, right? This is what God is doing. Under inspiration, that's what he's doing. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 6 through 16, actually. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world. Make sure I'm in the right place. I believe I am. Yep, there we go. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which, wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. That's through the words of God. We have that. God gave us that. Ephesians chapter 3. Paul knew what his that his instructions were the very commandments of God. Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 4. Verse number 3 says this, How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few, in few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Paul said he wrote these things to them and he explained to them what God had taught him, what Jesus Christ had showed him, the mystery, the revelation of God. He says very plainly that it came from God. That's what it is. That's where it came from. They are the words of God. Peter said the word being preached by the apostles was the word of God. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse number 25. But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. <laughs> this is the word. Amen. Right here, you got it. Peter put the commandments of the apostles on the same level as that of the Old Testament prophets in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 2. that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. There you go. Old Testament, New Testament right there. Peter's not confused, is he? He understood. He might have been confused about a few things for a while, right? But he wasn't confused about that. By the way, I, I like this comment uh, by one person. They said this, although some of Paul's epistles had been out for perhaps 15 years, the ink was scarcely dry on others, and perhaps Second Timothy had not yet been penned when Peter wrote. Paul's writings were recognized and declared by apostolic authority to be Scripture as soon as they appeared. Right away. The book of Revelation was written as the prophetic word of God. Look at Revelation chapter 1, verse number 3. Blessed is he that readeth, 
And they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Look at verse number two. It says, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Now, now in my, in, in my King James Bible here, the word of God there is lowercase w. I don't know if yours is in that one, but it says here in verse number two, who bear record of the word of God. Because that's the scriptures, right? And of the testimony of Jesus Christ. There you go. And all things that, that, that he saw. So there's a blessing that's pronounced upon that because it's the it's the scriptures there's a blessing that is pronounced upon the scriptures it's given if you have the scriptures if you read them you'll be blessed by them when you when you believe god amen when you believe his word uh, revelation 21 verse number five and he that sat upon the throne said behold i make all things new and he said unto me write for these words are true and faithful It's God's witness of the word, right? Right there. And obviously we know that what's pronounced in Revelation 22, verse 18 to 19, for I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. You know, Luke, he claimed perfect understanding of the things of the gospel, which can only come by divine revelation. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse number 3. He had perfect understanding. Verse, uh, Luke chapter 1, verse number 3. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things, from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. I love the beginning of this and Acts. I love this, the note that he has there that he gives that when he's writing to Theophilus and he's, and he's writing these things. The perfect under, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus. I, that's just powerful, isn't it? He's, here he is, he's writing this. He's, he's, he has that perfect understanding of those things. Luke is either making a vain boast or he's claiming inspiration. Well, I believe he's claiming inspiration. <laughs> that's just it, right? No. 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 Remember, that. I mean, obviously we don't know this from Scripture, but we know later that Luke, they, they, they hung him from an olive tree. How they killed him. Luke, the beloved physician. Right? They don't like that Bible. They didn't like that preaching of God's word. They killed him. Yep. First Corinthians 7, 6. I, I don't see it in my notes right this second. No, you're okay. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when he says for the present time, when he. Mm-hmm. Right, he's not saying that's a command of God that you have to remain unmarried. He's saying that it might be, he's, he's saying it might be a good idea since everybody's getting killed <laughs> that you don't get married, but it's still the inspired word of God, right? It's still infallible. Right. God gave him permission to write that. Do you see how it's it's still inspired? It's still God's word, and it's still good advice, right? It's the word of God. It's it's good counsel. So, yes, right by permission that God gave him. Right. Yes. It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, let's see here. Paul quotes from the Gospel Luke and calls it Scripture, doesn't he? He puts it on the same level as Deuteronomy. Let's look at 1 Timothy 5.18. These are fun to go through here. We're learning a lot here. It's good. It's good to go through the Bible. Amen. 1 Timothy. 
I like this. Watch this. This is interesting. For the scripture saith, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. So that's that's First uh, Timothy five eighteen. Now I'll go to Deuteronomy twenty five four. Here we go. Thou shalt not muzzle the ox when he treadeth out the corn. Now, now go to Luke 10, 7. Look at this last part. And in the same house remain eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house. The reason we say that is, remember 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse number 18. What did he add to that? 1 Timothy 5. <coughs> right, for, the, for the scripture saith, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. So he's... He's stating the same principle, right, that Luke stated with the words of Jesus when Jesus gave them and told them, you know, go not from house to house or whatever, you know, to, don't, don't worry about your stuff. God will take care of you. You're worthy of your hire. These people will take care of you, right? And uh, God will, will see to it. So you have there those verses all together. You see the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. You see God's moving there. And Paul is saying, he's quoting from uh, an instance that, that Luke has there as well, which is interesting. So, because, uh, well, it's actually the words of Christ, obviously, because Jesus said them, but Jesus said it all. I mean, that's all the word of God anyway. And so Brother Paul and I, we were talking about that, and they said that, you know, they have red letter Bibles, and I'm not against if you want to make them red, that's fine. But you could make them all red because they're all the words of Jesus. So you could make them all red, right? Aren't they all the words of Christ? Didn't he, that this is all his his word, right? So we could do it. it doesn't, there, there's, it's all authoritative scripture. What's that? Yeah? They are they which testify of me. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. That's what Jesus said, right? They're all his words. They all testify of him. That is the spirit of prophecy, Right? Jesus, he is the spirit of prophecy. That's mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, they did. There's always been the battle of, of the of inspiration of the scriptures has always been there. It always will be. There will always be that war until Jesus comes, right? There's always going to be that war. Yeah. Because the, this word speaks with authority. That's why. This book does. They don't like it. Well that right. <clears throat> Right. They were writing. They knew it was inspired. Later on, in the book, Herod said, Yep. He had to say, They said, Oh, these be the ones who are Mm hmm. Yes. Grew mightily. Yeah, yeah, it grew. And mul yeah, it I multiplied. Right. Yes, it did. Yep. Yep. Jude 17, in warning the believers of false teachers, Jude refers to the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. So look at what he says in verse number 17. He says, But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. So the, these are the words of God. The words of the apostles are the words of God. And that's and they, they claim that they knew that they that Jude is writing this and and 
and he's bearing record of that. All of them bear record of that, that that's what they, that's what, that's what they were. So that's, that's powerful in itself. Uh, John held up the teaching of the apostles as the absolute standard of truth. Look at 1 John chapter 4. Verse number 5 says, They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. You know, those, the, the words of the apostles, the words of Jesus Christ and the apostles, they were the words of God. They are the words of God. And they claim that. They, they, they assert that very powerfully. That the Bible is the infallible word of God is foundational to every aspect of the Bible text version issue. So no matter what we talk about, you have to believe that these scriptures, you have to understand that these scriptures, you have to come to a place, if you're not already there, I mean... There wasn't a time when I didn't believe that, I'll be honest with you, and I wasn't always saved. I'm not claiming that. I know when I got saved almost 21 years ago, but, but I'm just telling you, there, like you would have to talk me out of believing that. And that for a child that was known the Holy, when I was a little boy, four years old, five years old, yeah, I made a profession of faith and I wasn't saved yet, but I'll tell you what, I knew that was the Bible. And, and 15, 16 years later, or 20, no, 20 years later, when I picked up, when, when, when God took everything away from me because he was moving in my heart and he was getting ready to save my rotten soul and, uh, and, and change my life because God had a plan for my life, I, I picked up that old gift and award Bible that I had and I sat there and I remember sitting, I remember laying down there and reading that book over and over and over. The pages fell apart. The the, the pages, like the glue loosened on that old gift award Bible. You know those black, the black gift and award Bibles with the bright pink or red, it's red paper at the end of it. Does anybody remember those? They're red. They used to hand them out to everybody there. And that, that Bible, I read that and God was using that. That was a King James Bible. I didn't have anything else. I didn't know anything else. So you would, you would be able to convince me in a million years that wasn't God's word. Even as a lost man, I feared it. I'll tell you, I had friends that were like, hey, man, we need to, we need to, when I was a stoner, they're like, hey, this, this Bible's made out of rice paper. Let's smoke some weed on it. I'm like, I ain't doing that. Right. Man, there's a lot of dumb stuff in my life, but you have not getting me to smoke weed on that Bible. I am not cutting that piece of Bible out, and I am not cutting that rice paper out, and I am not rolling a joint on that. I am not doing that. I was just like, no, uh-uh. I am not doing that. I just, I, I could, I, I would never, I could never get myself to do that. I was like, you're kidding. I ain't doing that. Like, I'd be afraid I'd die. And I wasn't even saved, but I still feared God enough to be like, I ain't doing that. But I just believed it was, and I still did like, you, you couldn't talk me out of it. And you have to approach the scriptures by believing that they're God's holy word. They're right and you're wrong. <laughs> it's right and you're wrong. Let God be true and every man a liar. Right? This is truth. And man lives lies. And he has to bow his knee to the absolute infallible truth of the word of God. You know what safety there is in that and what strength there is in that to just believe God and say, you know what, I'm just going to believe God. Whatever he says, I'm just going to believe him. Why? Because that book's right. God's right. God delivered that book to us. He gave it to us. The Bible cannot be treated merely as another book. It must always be treated as something holy and supernatural. You can't treat the Bible uh, like it's some other book. It's blasphemy. It's set apart from all other writings, historical, all, any, everything. Set apart. High and lifted up. When it comes to Bible text inversions, we must be concerned with the words. We must be concerned with details. Right? You got to be concerned with that. We cannot accept the modern text position that thousands of words are somehow of no consequence. That it doesn't matter. That you can change the words of God and do whatever you want to. You can alter the words of God. You can take them out. You can remove them. You can remove thousands of words from, the, from, from God's word and still 
be God's word. Right? That's a terrible position to be in. That's a terrible position. What comfort do you give people that, that are in that position? I can think of none. Brother Josh, were you going to say something? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's right. Seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Yeah. Well, that's, and that's what Paul talked about, right? He was concerned that as Eve was seduced, that so would God's people be, be seduced. He was afraid that God's people would be seduced, right? He was concerned for that. All right. Well, I think we're going to stop right here on this first point here because we got through a lot of scripture and that was good. Next week, we'll talk about the New Testament com- being completed and sealed and, 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 and some of the historical. And by the way, proving and showing that the Roman Catholic Church did not do, uh, totally refuting the claim that the Roman Catholic Church gave us the scriptures. We're going to cover that next week. So that'll be important. And, and I haven't decided yet how the Lord's going to, I've got to get the mind of the Lord here to figure out which way to do this. If I'm going to do these in the afternoon and some of these in teaching, because this section for the next little while is a lot of teaching and a lot of scripture back and forth. And Sunday morning, I, I, I really um, believe that the Lord would have me preach some sermons, some really straightforward sermons to try to help us out and to, you know, some different things like that. So I'm going to be doing both, okay? And Baptist history and all that, we'll figure out what the Lord's going to have us do with all that. Uh, I'm still working on all those things and looking at all those things, but praise the Lord. So we see that the scriptures, right, bear witness that, and those New Testament authors, they understood what they were doing. They understood what God had them do, and they understood they were the revelation of God. And it was from God, and they were authoritative. And you ought to preach this book as it's authoritative, under the, as its authority, right? You ought to. You and I, when we go out on the street, we don't look at these people and think that there's another way <laughs> for them to do things. We look at them and say, these are the words of God, right. and you have to obey them, <laughs> or else you're going to die and go to hell. You're lost without them. There's no other way for you. There's only one way. It's Jesus Christ. There's only one way, his word, and we speak that upon the authority of God, right? Those apostles did not speak that on their authority. It was the authority of God. They said, these are the words of God. My doctrine, what Jesus said, you would know the doctrine, right? He said they would know the doctrine, and they said that his doctrine came from God. And he said the Holy Ghost would deliver the rest of those words, and did. Amen? And God made sure you, were, you had the preserved, inspired Word of God with you today. Amen. Made sure of it in its perfection, in its entirety, not missing anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, because if it's not written by God, if God, if it's, if God didn't do that, then they can do what they want, right? That's how they live their lives, just like you and I did. We went our own way, and we, did, we didn't have the fear of God we, before, when we were lost. We went our own way. We did our own thing. But if this be the word of God, if this be the words of God, if this be the inspired, perfect, infallible words of God, then I must submit to them. I must surrender to God Almighty. I must lay down my arms and stop fighting my Savior. I must lay down my arms and stop fighting the Lord, right? I must surrender to him, call him Lord. I must repent and believe the gospel, right? And I must live my life accordingly. That's, that's it, right? What you believe about this book shows what you and I believe. Mm-hmm. The authority. Mm-hmm. Right. There's only two places you can be. Either this is the perfect, infallible word of God, or it's not. And if it's not, where do I find it? Because otherwise, God didn't keep his promise. 
Amen. Do you see it any other way? I don't. I can't. I'm an all or nothing guy. That's just the way I am. I was like, it's all or nothing. It's just either it's re either that book is perfect and my life is completely submitted to that because God kept his promise or it's not. And why are we even here then? Mm-hmm. Right. And you're commanded to do the same. This is what makes you perfect, thoroughly furnished and do all good works. If I don't have it, then I can't be perfect, thoroughly furnished and do all good works. How could I be? See, it's that simple. It's not hard. You just have to jump all in. <laughs> you just have to jump all in and not care what any scholar or anybody else thinks. And if you do that, then you'll be fine. You'll just, you'll just care. God will make, listen, if you're a child of God, you're going to come to a place when you hear the truth of these things where you just, where, where you're settled on the matter that no matter what anybody else thinks, no matter what happens, you're just going to believe God, period. And you're going to believe what God said about his words. And you're going to believe, you're, you're just going to believe it. And it's the Holy Ghost that drives that home to you. And says, yep, that's it. And God bears witness with your spirit. And he tells you, that's it right there. You know it. Because you know, go read an NIV. You don't. It ain't there. Yep. Plain and simple. And this is the voice right here. That's what it is. Yet in these last days spoken unto us by his son. So God gave us the words. Now we just got to read them. We got to live them and pray for each other. Amen. Pray for our trip, please. Uh, as we, we're finalizing a bunch of things and uh, praying that the Lord uh, provides uh, the rest of the money that we need and everything like that. So please pray about that, what the Lord have you to do about that. But things are going well. I'll be putting together a schedule that, for when I'm gone and uh, brother Paul's up first on deck for preaching. Uh, and then I'll put the rest of the schedule together and kind of figure out some things. And, uh, I'll talk to brother David about some things for the children, in the afternoon and things like that. So, and then, uh, we, we might need brother Andrew will be gone. So we'll need, uh, we'll need somebody to be a verse here, here. So if, if Lee's going to be the verse here. He's not, he's going to be nice. So he's not gonna be mean to anybody, right? You're not gonna get your ruler out and start beating kids or anything with it. Right. No. All right, all right, all right. But then, and, and, uh, yes, um, yes, but and, no, I'm kidding. But anyway, and if Brother Lee, if you can't do it, Brother Paul, you can be a verse here too. Uh, I'm sure you can handle that and you won't poke the kids too hard.